And our passage this morning, if you look in front, it says Grace Redeemer, 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 to 29. This is an interesting passage. And we've, what we've seen already in this passage when we've done a couple of these one already is that you look at it and you go, why does not John tell us more exactly what does he mean? It seems like he keeps having us kind of have to think about it. He makes us have to think, what could he be saying here? What is the point? And we'll see this in this passage in just a moment. Our passage this morning, I want to go back at least to last week, just so we get the context of what that we were doing. And last week when you were with us, we saw that, number one, it talked about tests. If you were with us last week, you remember we talked about how all of us, when we were in school and we were in college, that you had to take tests. Most of us don't like taking tests, but we did have to take tests. And here, what's happening here is John is saying, you know what, there are tests. Tests that say, are you a person who really knows Christ? Now, the point of this passage is not to make us nervous, think, have I done enough or what am I doing? The point is saying that what has God called us to do? What has he called us to be? And what does that look like? And so what he talks about here is going to be very important. He talks about there are certain tests. And so last week when we were looking at it, we said, what did that be? And we noticed this passage. This is going back from last week where it said, do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's lifestyle is not in him. It's going back from that last passage. And he's saying, but here's what you can tell. How do I know that I'm a believer? We say, well, I know I trust in Christ. I know that I've been times in my life where I've seen God work in such wonderful ways. That's all good. But what John is saying here, there are ways you can kind of say, do I really know that I know him? Now, the purpose here is not to make us nervous, but the point is to ask the question, what has God called on us to do? And so in that passage that we looked at, what we saw is it talked about faith and saying, okay, there are things you should know. One of those things that shows that you're a Christian is love. We talked about that last week, how John said, listen, if you call yourself a believer, and yet you're a person of not love. He said, you're lying to yourself. You need to look at what's going on deep in your heart. Maybe, maybe, you know, I was born as a baby, and I've been a Baptist ever since, and I'm great. And it's like, well, okay. But do you know Christ, and have the, we see that in the way we love one another? John, of course, you know, is one that's most famous because when he's one that talks the most about love, we see that in, the, in, the, in what he wrote, and we see what he's writing here in these passages, and someone's not happy. I'm sorry. <laughs> but notice what, his, what, what we saw from last week is this, when John is writing. He says, children, it's the last hour. It's like, really, it's not the last hour. Those other hours, but we'll say this. As you've heard, Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. We know from this that this is the last hour. This passage that we're looking right there, he's making it clear. It's talking about, we talk about the Antichrist, but he's saying, right now, there's plenty of antichrist. In other words, anybody who's anti-Christ, anybody who's opposed to Christ. So what we have in this passage is saying, okay, there is the antichrist, the ultimate one, the one that will be there you know, when, when it all happens. He said, but then there's many other antichrists. That's those who are opposed to God and in, in these passages. And so we'll see it as we continue in this passage. Because what happy people have said, what do you mean when you're talking about the, the Antichrist? What has been those? Well, 
There's several things that people have said, this must be the Antichrist. I know this has got to be the Antichrist. This is because Antiochus Epiphanes. And I know you've all been reading about him. In the, no, you haven't. That's all right. That's okay. Antiochus Epiphanes, back in the time of the Romans, when the Romans were particularly, and the Greeks as well, were particularly mean and cruel to God's people. And Antiochus Epiphanes came and he decided, said, you're not going to be able to allow do this. You can't do that. And they said, they, he said, came in. And what he did, he destroyed their temple. And so many people at that time, 168 BC, they were thinking that must be the Antichrist. That's, that, that's got to be it. This time, some, God's going to have to do something because this is the end. And it turned out, well, it wasn't the end. Go back, go now, go past the time of the death of Jesus and his resurrection. And think about this. John is probably still alive at this pace at 7 AD, 70 AD. So John must have been there or at least know what was happening when the Romans came in and Titus came in and they destroyed the temple. And many people thought, yep, that's probably what we were reading about in the book of Daniel. If you remember, Daniel talks about that one who's coming, who would be acting like an antichrist. Interesting, though, but the Jewish people at that time didn't even consider that to be the Antichrist. They thought there was some ultimate Antichrist who was coming at the end of time and was going to bring that all to an end. And so what's in this passage, what John is going to do now is he's going to start using this to be able to explain what this looks like now for a person who's a believer. And so let's see what he talks about here. Notice this again. He said, children, it's the last hour. As you've heard, Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. We know from this is the last hour. Now notice that part in yellow. And here is the key phrase in this passage right here. They went out from us, but not, did not belong to us. For if they had belonged in us, they would have remained with us. Now let's stop for a minute. Because that passage is very important in this passage. And what this is saying. Because what he's saying here, he said, they went out from us. Who is the they? They are those who are turning away from the faith or have already turned from the faith. That is, these are the heretics. These are the ones who heard the gospel. They got baptized. They're part of the church. And now they're hearing something. Oh, this guy over here has got some really neat teaching, and, and I'm going to go with him. And the other guy said, yeah, well, this guy, he, he's really smart, and, and maybe I need to follow him. And what he's saying is, he said, they went out from us. He said, but they didn't belong to us. And he's saying, why? If they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. You see the point he's saying? Those who really know Christ are going to stick with the gospel. They're going to stick with what they know. We know what Jesus taught. We know what the 12 apostles taught. We know what these over these generations now have taught. It's saying, are you staying faithful to the scriptures that God has given us to understand what God wants us to do and to be. And so he's saying that in this time, so many things were happening. You have to remember this time, many of these people that were coming into the church, you know, they were coming out of Judaism, they were coming out of some of these different cults. And so you had all these weird things going on. And people like saying, yeah, I'm kind of tired of hearing about what Pastor Carl's saying over there. And Boy, that guy had a really interesting story. Maybe I'll go with him. And so all these different cultures are coming together. And one of the dangerous things is some of these people who were part of the church, they, maybe some even grew up in the church, and they're going, oh, this guy's really something. You ought to see this guy. He, you ought to hear what he says. He's got this new teaching. It's a really cool teaching. You need to follow what I'm saying. 
And what John, the Apostle John, is saying, you better really keep him, be careful. He said, you know what those people did? They went out from us, but they didn't belong to us. In other words, they thought they were Christians. They thought they came to Christ. But he says, you know what? The fact that they've left is showing the fact that they never really knew Christ. Now, that's hard for us at times. But notice he's saying, they went out from us, but they didn't belong to us. If they did, they would have remained. Now, let's be really careful. We're not talking about Mr. Jones and Mrs. Jones decided to go from church A to church B. That means they're heretics. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about heresy. We're talking about people who have moved away from the gospel that they were taught. And again, they had great teachers. You know, you've got Jesus, you've got the apostles, you've got all this thing going on. They're, they know what the core is. The core of what the gospel is about, about what God, how Christ has died, he has risen from the dead, that we is going to be with him forever. And he's saying, the fact that these people are leaving, he's saying, you know what it's saying? It's saying they may not actually know Christ at all. It could be that they go out a little bit and realize, hey, that's weirdness, I'm going back, and they're true believers. But John is pretty strong. He's very strong, in fact. When he says, they went out from us, they didn't belong to us, because if they'd belonged to us, they'd have reigned with us. And the fact that they've left is showing maybe they really didn't know who Christ was. Passages like this can make us nervous. They're not here to make us nervous, but they make us to think. Do I know that I've come to faith in Christ? There's been a time in my life where I know that is. And it's a passage here that's important. And so it's saying the second test, we talked about the one was love. The second one here is the one that goes back that we just meant in the yellow. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belonged to us. He said, they've left. And the fact that they've left is shown they really weren't part of what we were. And so notice what he says here. But all of you, now he's trying to encourage them. They may have been a little bit nervous, saying, well, I thought I was a Christian. And he's saying, yeah, wait a minute, let me just listen to what I'm saying now. He said, but all of you have an anointing from the Holy One. He's coming back to encourage them. Now, notice that phrase, but you all have an anointing from the Holy One. Remember, anointing was particularly in the Old Testament on priests and prophets, upon kings. They'd actually put, you know, oil on top of them to show that they have this special thing for them. And so he's saying, but you, the Christians here, you who are sticking with the gospel, you who, you who are truly believers, he said, you have an anointing from the Holy One. Now, there's two things. It could be talking about that some of these people, when they came to faith in Christ, they were anointed, they poured the oil on them. It's very possible. Some churches probably did that. For other people, it was more metaphorical. It's more like, you know, it's not that. He's saying, when he says, but you all have an anointing from the Holy One, it's talking about, you know, what Christ has done in us through the Holy Spirit. And that's probably more likely what he's talking about. When he said, all of you have an anointing from the Holy One, the Christ, and you have knowledge. Now, that phrase goes like, duh. Well, of course, everybody has some knowledge. The point he's trying to make is this. He says, the Holy One, he said, all of you have knowledge. He makes this important because remember, in this culture, particularly Greek culture, they were all obsessed about wanting to know knowledge, more knowledge. And they went through all these things and they wanted to learn all that. And a lot of it got really, really weird. And a lot of times it just ended in heresy. And so he says, he said, and all of you, you have knowledge. 
He said, I've not written to you because you don't know it. He said, you do know. You've heard the good gospel. You've heard what God has done. So you don't, have to, you don't have to live in fear. But he says, I do want you to know. Just like we talked about those who said that they were Christians and they really loved God, but they didn't love people. So that's a problem. That's going to be have to, something they're going to have to deal with the Lord. The second one is saying the same one. He says, listen, you've got to recognize what's happening here. He said, one, you have the knowledge. He says, I have written to you because you do not know. And he says, and because there's no lie that comes from the truth. Who is the liar if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Messiah? In other words, that is such a core thing of the gospel that we believe, that Jesus is Israel's Messiah. This is the one they've been waiting for for generation after generation. And if there's somebody who gets up in the church and says, oh, we don't really believe that stuff anymore, you're in trouble at your church. That's exactly what he's saying here. Who's the liar if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Messiah? And this is a real issue for the early church. There's a guy that maybe you've heard of and maybe not. His name was Serinthus. He must have been part of the church at one point. He probably even had a role within the church. Uh, he was very well wanted. People liked him. Uh, how to describe him is tough. Some people would just say he's, he was a Gnostic Jewish Christian. Now that is like weird, isn't it? He was a Gnostic the Gnostics were into all these little things, all these little weird things. They wanted to know all this. Everything's about knowledge. Uh, but he was also from a Jewish background, okay? Uh, and he claimed that he was a Christian. It's like, really? Really? So you're, I mean, get to say, you're a Gnostic Jewish Christian. You know, how, how does that work out for you? Well, I guess for a while it did work out for him. In fact, a lot of people started following him. And this got really, really strange, and it got really hard because he started saying all these things. And people started saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. He says this, what you've heard from the beginning must remain in you. In other words, some of these have left. They've heard this guy who was really sharp and another guy who's really smart. And he said, they're leaving. And he said, what you've heard from the beginning must remain in you. If you've heard it from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. Notice that phrase. He said, you will remain in the Son and the Father. In other words, you're connected there between the Father and the Son. And he says, and this is the promise that he, God, has made to us, eternal life, salvation, be with God forever. And so what he's doing here is he's saying, recognize what he's saying. Those who maybe were once part of the church, maybe those who thought they were believers, but what it turns out is saying they are turning away from the core of the gospel as we've received it. And it happened a lot in that culture. And so he had to say, you know what? If you're leaving, it's saying that you really probably didn't know Christ. That's a strong thing, but it's an important thing. Notice what he says. I've written these things to you about what you're trying to, those are trying to deceive you. In other words, there are people trying to deceive the Christians, trying to get them to leave from their churches, leaving from what they had been taught before. And remember... Many of these people are young Christians. And they go, oh, well, gee, I, didn't, you know, I was in the Bible study, and I never heard that kind of thing before. And well, I guess that kind of makes sense to me. And before you know it, they're believing some wacky kind of thing that has nothing to do with the gospel. In fact, it's opposed to the gospel. And John is saying, no, no, that is not true. He said, I've written these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. There are those who are trying to take you away from the true faith. 
And he says, the anointing you received, the fact that through the Holy Spirit, you've given, you've given opportunity to know what God wants you to do. The anointing you receive for him remains in you. You don't need anyone to teach you. And it will stop for a minute. That's not saying Pastor Carl doesn't need to teach anything else for the rest of his life because that's not the point. His point is you don't need anyone to teach you. No, you don't need anybody else coming in from these other churches and weirdo things and saying this is what it's about. He's saying I'm giving you the straight thing that you need to know. I'm giving you all you need to know to stay faithful in what God has told you. We have Jesus. We have people who knew Jesus. We have people that follow Jesus in the next generation and the generation after that. You've got John, who's lived this incredible long lifetime. And here he is, still at the end of his life, saying, you need to be careful. There are people that are smart. There are people that are sharp. There are people that people say, oh, I really like that person. Oh, he's terrific. I'm going to go with him. And John is saying, no, no, no. Stick with what you know of what Christ has taught us in the gospel. The church at that point was struggling with all these weirdos all over, and many of them were picking it up and running with it. And John is saying, not true, not true. That's what he said. It, he said, the anointing that you received by the Holy Spirit it remains in you. You don't need anyone to teach you. You don't have to go out there and go to somebody else's Bible study saying, oh, we've got a whole new teaching of, of what Christ is about. He said, you don't need to do that. You've heard the gospel. The gospel has been clearly brought about in the gospel, in the churches. And John's saying, you know what is true. Why are you going off to these wacky people and moving away from the core of the gospel, which God has called you to do? Notice, if you would, learning this passage again. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all the things that's true. It's not a lie, just as you talked with him. And notice this last phrase, remain in him. The key verse in this passage is remain in him. These people who have moved away, the heretics, they, they're gone. But he's saying, for you as a Christian, you need to remain. You need to remain what God has said. He said, here's what it is. You have heard it. You've taught it. You've heard a lot of it. He said, remaining is an important part. John is basically saying, here's the second thing. That those who are really believers are ones who are going to remain in the faith. That may be a hard passage for some people. John can be hard to read sometimes. But he's saying, remaining in faith in Christ is at the very core. That people understand clearly what the gospel is. And when they start going off, for one thing, we need to try to help them and say, listen, you're going off in the, in the wrong way. But it's saying for us as individuals, am I staying clear on what the gospel is about? And am I remaining? Am I remaining what he's called me to do? Test number two, remain. Remain in the faith. Reper you want another word? Persevere in the faith. It's saying you have to stay in there. When you get outside from that, let's say, that dome that's over us as believers, as Christians, you get outside of there, you'll get in some of the weirdest things you ever thought in your life. Stay in the gospel. Stay in what you know to be true. And let God continue to do a good work in your heart. John R. W. Stott, who's one of my favorite writers, writers a great British writer, he put it this way. Christians should be conservative. He's not talking about politics for sure. Christians should be conservative in their theology, what you think you believe. 
to have, quote, itching ears, ever running after new teachers, listening to anybody and never arriving at the knowledge of the truth is a characteristic of the terrible times which shall come in the last day. That's going to be a sign of when it comes towards the end. You're going to find people coming up during that times because they have turned away. It's characteristic of what they do. And so what we see in this passage, the things that we search particularly in the book when we look at here in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to them, to him, to, you know, he's a young guy, making sure he knows what's going on. Look at this passage right here when he speaks about it. 2 Timothy, hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you've heard from me. Okay? He said, in the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Note that phrase again. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching. In other words, saying, this is not new. We're going over it again. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you've heard in me in the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who lives in us that good thing entrusted to you, the gospel. This you know, and this is the sad one, all those in Asia have turned away from me, including Figulus and Hermogenes. I have no idea how you really say that the correct way, but it doesn't matter. But this is sad if you think about it. Here's Paul, his second time now he's been in prison. And these are the guys that were supposed to be helping him, and they took off. And they went off to all these different cults and all these different strange things. And so he's making it very clear. Paul is making it very clear. See what's happened here? He said, all those in Asia have turned away from me, including Phagulus and Hermogenes. They were good guys. They were following me. Somehow they got off the track. They were not staying where God has called them to be. Notice what he says a little bit later in this passage. This is going again, Paul speaking to Timothy, a young man who's been a great help for him. I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who's going to judge the living and the dead. And then I'll pass back to this part. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. That's one of the clear things you'll see as a sign when it comes near the end of all times. They're going to say, he said, they're going to not tolerate sound doctrine. They want to hear what's the newest thing. What's the coolest thing? Say, nope. But according to their own desires, they will multiply for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. What's the neediest? What's the coolest? And he's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Go back to the core. Go back to what you know. Cling to the core of the teacher, teaching. That which is delivered by the saints. Now, you might look at this passage and say, well, this has only really a, you know, an application to what we do, you know, to that time, long, long time ago. That's not true. Notice we have in this passage, we have a culture that talks about the new and the now. It's got to be this. What's the latest iPhone you just got? What? You've only got a five? Are you kidding me? I mean, that is so old age. I mean, was that your grandmother's one you got, you know? Well, what's the newest thing? Oh, it's, oh, I'm in this new thing anymore. What do you mean? Well, they keep moving on from this. Oh, I, I, my in Instagram is no good anymore, so I'm going over the new one because it's new. It's cool. It's new generation. And what is the gospel saying? Come back to the core that you know. What Christ has taught us in the scriptures, where we have Christ has taught us, you have the 12 apostles, they have gathered around that part of the world, and he sees what God is doing and says, stay where you're at. You don't need to go that way. You don't need to go that way. I teach several Bible studies, and a couple weeks ago I was reading this passage, and I thought, 
This would be a good one for this one. It's a very short one. It's only a couple phrases, but listen to it. We'll stop at this. The context is Jeremiah chapter 6. As usual, the people of Israel have turned away from God, and they're a mess. So in verse 16, it says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand by the roadways and look. Ask about the ancient paths, which is the way of what is good. Then take it and find rest for yourselves. That became a famous phrase in the King James Bible, went through every Bible since then. It's that idea of saying, you know what? Go back to the core. Go back to the gospel. Stand by the roadside and look. Ask about the ancient paths, which is the way to do that which is good. Then take it and find rest for your souls. Father, we thank you for what John has been teaching us. We thank you, Lord, that you've called us to stay faithful, to persevere, to remain, to never turn away from the core of the gospel that we've learned through our times with you, Lord Jesus. Be with us, encourage us, and strengthen us, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.